This is Corey Dillon. You are listening to the Bow Down Podcast, and it's coming from the legend, the one and only, one of one. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from the legend himself, Corey Dillon. First, this is the Bow Down Podcast, and John, not only is this the Bow Down Podcast, but this is the National Championship Preview episode, where you and I are going to break things down, all things Washington, all things Michigan, to lead our group here, our fans, the Husky Nation, hashtag Purple Rain, into Monday night. The stage is set. 14-0 Michigan, 14-0 Washington, number one versus number two. What are your initial thoughts? This is the biggest game in Washington Huskies football history, period. Now, you go back to that 1991 season where they claimed a piece or a share of the national title with the University of Miami. And then even before that, they haven't won one since 1960. So it's been a while. They made it to the college football playoff in 2016. It wasn't even close. This is the best team that they've put out probably ever in Huskies history. So the time is now. They need to go out, show out, bring that dub back to UW and claim their title as national champions. Now, you've seen it all over social media, all the analysts, some even of the Michigan players talking about how up front, they really don't match up well with Michigan. Uh, the offensive line of the Huskies is overrated. The defensive line has no chance of stopping that rushing attack by Michigan with Blake Karam. They couldn't stop. Texas's rushing attack. They don't know why Texas stopped running the ball. They were averaging seven yards a carry. Um, Michigan's bringing out Will Johnson, one of the highest graded cornerbacks in the country. He has yet to give up a touchdown in coverage this season. He's going to lock down Rome. Um, Michael Penix isn't all that. He can't make all the throws across the field. So, I mean, he's a lefty quarterback too, which is a negative thing these days. Exactly. So, I mean, we've been down this road plenty of times this year, going against plenty of ranked opponents and plenty of trash talk. And we've overcome all the adversity. We've overcome every single bad thing that anyone had to say to this Huskies team. And they're just going to have to go out there and prove it again, prove it. Uh, play in and play out and go out there. The one that I really hate and the one that's the worst thing I hear over the social media and over these analysts saying is how lucky of a team this Huskies team is. If you did it one or two times, okay, maybe it's luck. But they're doing this every single time. Score doesn't matter if you keep winning. So when opportunity meets preparation it's not being lucky it's being ready to go at any given point of the game and that's what the huskies have done all season long and that's what we're going to hope that they continue to do to bring home this national championship and i don't want to take anything away from michigan the wolverines are undefeated they are the number one ranked team in the country but looking at their schedule comparison they played ecu UNLV, Rutgers, Nebraska. Nebraska hasn't been back since 2012. <laughs> Minnesota, Indiana, our only 
opponent that we both played was Michigan State. We both blew Michigan State out. Purdue, and then their last four or five games was a little bit competitive. They played Penn State. They had a tough win over Maryland, who really wasn't that good of a team. They had a win over Ohio State, which obviously is is significant. Iowa in the Big Ten Championship wasn't really a competition. They were just there by default. Everybody knows that it should have just been a rematch of Ohio State-Michigan again for the championship. And then the Alabama game, which was the closest game they played all season, where could you say Michigan got lucky in the Alabama game? Maybe some calls went their way. Maybe Alabama play calling in that overtime session didn't go as planned. Um, Comparing that to the Washington schedule, both teams 14-0, Washington ran off victories. Here's the here's the, the murderer's row we talked about earlier in the season. Versus Oregon, then Arizona State, which is always a tough matchup for any teams going to the desert. The Stanford game was close. They have a really good front seven on both offense and defense front lines. We beat USC at USC. We beat Utah. Both of those are ranked games. Or Oregon State ranked opponent. Washington State ranked opponent. Both of those are victories. We beat Oregon again in the Pac-12 championship game, going 2-0 against Bo Nix and Oregon. 3-0 if you count last year. Holla at me, Michael Penix. (laughs) Playing Texas, who's the team that beat Alabama, Michigan's opponent, in the regular season. They went down to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, and we beat Texas. So, you know, when it comes to strength of schedule and what these two teams had to endure this season, again, not taking anything away from Michigan, but they kind of coasted until that Penn State game. We were battling ranked opponents for six or seven straight weeks, John. What does that do to kind of give this tenacity and give this team more experience compared to what Michigan went through this year? And that's that's a great point because we even talked to Mario Bailey about that, where it's really the Pac-12, Pac-10 bias, where you're looking at these Big Ten teams. They haven't beat as many ranked opponents as we've beaten, and they're somehow the number one team in the country. But we play a couple of close games, so we're number two. Granted, I love being number two. I didn't even think that we would get up that high because of the bias to the West Coast football. But coming in, finding ways to win in these close games, it's going to be very, very beneficial, especially down the stretch, especially for this game, especially from last game, because you're going to have these players that have been in that situation before and had to step up and make big plays when it really does matter and make the big throws, make the big run, make the big tackle, make the big pass deflection. Now you're going to have these players that have been in this situation for what, six games of the season? And now it's just going to be, accustomed they're going to be ready and they're going to be very well prepared to step up and make that play and help this team win the ball game and let's be honest when was the last time we saw a one loss Pac 12 west coast team get into the college football playoffs i think oregon might have had a loss when when it was mariota and crew and they got their doors kicked in by florida state but you know Nobody gives any love to the West Coast teams, to the Pac-12 teams. So there's this bias. There's all these, you know, what do they call them? Blue Bloods or other, you know, Power 5 schools 
in the central time zone, the eastern time zone that dominate your your television waves every Saturday from September to December. We're playing games on the East Coast here at, at 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. Half of the country is asleep or hung over from drinking beer and eating wings all day when Washington's here to put that nitty gritty in and actually put the work in that shows that, hey, we're 14 and 0, we're undefeated. We have one of the best offenses in the country, if not the best offense in the country. We played these tremendous teams all season long. The Pac-12, without a doubt, went out with a bang this year. And we're the last one standing. We're one of two teams standing left in the country that are undefeated and that are still playing football. There's a reason for that. And that reason starts at the top, John, with Kalen DeBoer. Talk to me about the job, head coach Kalen DeBoer. And we can even talk offensive coordinator Grubb in this point, too. What a job these men have done coaching and leading this team. You can't say enough about him. I mean, Kalen DeBoer is off to one of the hottest starts to a head coaching career ever. Was he now 25 and two in two seasons? And all the, not even to hit on it, but incoming transfer portals, incoming recruits, it seems like it's going to stay like that. But I mean, that's for other episodes. But you can't say enough, just his game planning and even a grub. It's going to be amazing if we're if he's still the offensive coordinator for the Huskies next year, because, you know, all too well that every vacant head coaching job in the nation is going to be knocking and lining up at his door. So if we're able to hold him for a season or two, it is going to be such a blessing Um, with the players that he has. It definitely makes it a lot easier with a quarterback like Michael Penix. It definitely makes the play calling a lot easier. But there has been some of the best call playing that I've ever seen, uh, especially the fourth and two in the Pac-12 championship with the reverse Roma Dunze in our own 30-yard line. One of my favorite play calls probably of all time. Um, and just, just two brilliant minds coming together uh, basically from nowhere and Power 5 football conference doing the thing for the Washington Huskies football program. You could call Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer kind of under-the-radar coaching uh, candidates prior to these two seasons. Alabama, Nick Saban was on the call with Ryan Grubb at the end of last season saying, come down and be ROC. And he's like, nah, I like what we're doing here. We're actually going to make it to the national championship. You'll only make it to the college football semifinals. Maybe if Ryan Grubb was down in the SEC in Tuscaloosa, things would be a little different for Alabama after last week. But nonetheless under-the-radar coaching candidates before they join Washington. Let's talk under-the-radar players who can show out in this national championship game between Washington and Michigan. John, who's your first candidate? Well, it's easy to say, oh, Michael Penix will have a good game. Roma have a good game. Braylon Trice will have a good game because they've been doing it uh, time in and time out. But there's going to be some some plays that are going to be made by players that aren't really accustomed to making too many plays. So, like I said, Braylon Trice on one side of that defensive line. Then you're going to have Zion Tupola Fetui on the other side of the defensive line now. Braylon, well-documented, one of the best edge rushers in the nation, coming off Sugar Bowl defensive MVP performance where he had two sacks and two forced fumbles and was just 
a monster the entire game. I feel like Michigan is going to game plan very well for him, and they're going to pay a lot of attention to him, which is going to free up Zion to really get after it, make some plays for this defense, and really get after the quarterback. Now, on the season, Zion has five tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and 24 quarterback crushers, which modest numbers by any means, but you look at his whole package put together, he's definitely going to be an NFL player on Sundays. Now, he has all the capabilities, all the athletic abilities, and now he is poised to really break out in this championship game and make some plays for this Huskies defense. And what's really unique about the combination of Braylon Trice and ZTF, and I don't see this on a lot of other teams at the collegiate level, John, I could be wrong. It's something the professionals do on Sundays, the NFL players, but these edge rushers, aren't necessarily just edge rushers. We've seen Braylon and ZTF line up on both sides. We've seen them both line up over guards and tackles as defensive linemen and three-point stands. I've seen ZTF drop into coverage, covering tight ends. I've seen ZTF pick up running backs on screens in the flats. Talk to me about the versatility that, yes, we know Braylon Trice is going to be day one draft pick Someone in the NFL is going to love him, and he's going to be a tremendous player for 10 to 15 years. Talk to me about what ZTF brings with that versatility, because he's just another important cog in this defense that this team has put together. But the versatility that ZTF brings, talk to me a little, a little bit about that. Him, him and Trice both, you could really line them up at any position on that defense. You could put them back middle linebacker. You could put them at nose tackle. You could put them at nose tackle put the D tackle at edge rusher, do some crazy stunts, get to the quarterback and force turnovers. So when you have those athletic ability that these guys possess, it makes it so much easier to call blitz packages and to run these crazy stunts and to line them up all over the field to try to get the best best matchup for them to go in and put pressure on the quarterback so it's a huge huge advantage for the defense and I can't wait to see what they come up with going against this rushing attack this really good offensive line and really good quarterback that uh, Michigan has it's it's hard to say this next athlete is an under the radar player when Arguably, he might have the best hands on the team, John. You have Rome, you have Polk, you have McMillan. But nobody really talks about what Jack Westover was able to accomplish this season. The clutch catches, the diving catches. Talk to me about what Westover is going to be doing playing in his last game as a Washington Husky. And he was on full display in the Sugar Bowl. You saw him going down to his knees, diving, um, making some circuit catches against the Texas Longhorns where he had six receptions for 59 yards, which is a, a, a great game by, by, by no, by freaking any, any, any means. So um, this year he had his, his best game going against Michigan state where he had the three touchdowns in the first half. And then it was like, wow, who is this guy? where did he come from? But like you said, one of the most athletic tight ends in the country. He's been making huge plays for this Husky team uh, week in and week out. And he's really been that go-to guy in those clutch times where they really need to get the first down. And he's going to dive and do whatever it takes to secure the ball and make sure of the catch 
but I think he could really have a huge game, especially with those big three receivers like you named, Michigan doing everything they can to stop Rome, everything they can to stop Jalen, or both Jalens, and he could easily slide under the radar and have a huge game for this offense. You mentioned at the top of our monologue here, Will Johnson, one of the highest graded cornerbacks in the nation. Easy. He'll also be playing on Sunday. He'll be a, a Michigan Wolverine playing in the NFL uh, probably very soon. It's going to be his job and his job alone to shut down Roma Dunze. And, you know, maybe there'll be some 50-50 matchups. Maybe Will Johnson will win some. Maybe Roma Dunze will win some. That's That's a given. But this Michigan defense isn't going to have a Will Johnson to cover Jalen McMillan, a Will Johnson to cover Jalen Polk. And even if they have high-level cornerbacks to cover those receivers, you're looking at a fourth cornerback, a nickelback, a strong safety who might not be too good in coverage, being the guy, a linebacker, being the guy responsible to cover Jack Westover. and. We know he's got magnets attached to those hands, boy. Everything thrown his way. You saw that diving catch for first down in the Pac-12 championship. Everything thrown Jack Westover's way ends up in a completion for Michael Penix Jr. So I'm curious to see who they're going to have trying to, you know, whether it's some sort of QB spy on the tight end or some sort of linebacker locked on man-to-man. Because Westover is going to get his, and not many people are going to understand that until he's already gotten his. <laughs> One more under-the-radar player. It's up in the air depending on how much Dylan Johnson plays. Um, both DeBoer and Ryan Grubb have said DJ is good to go for the national championship game, which you know we prayed multiple times for that over the last week. Um, but Dylan Johnson's backup, Will Nixon, who runs – like he's trying to run through a six-foot brick wall every time he has the ball in his hands. Talk to me about Will Nixon and what he could do for this offense a little under the radar. Well, even in the beginning of the season, I was very high on Will Nixon, especially when Dylan Johnson wasn't quite healthy just yet after those first two games of the year. And I just love Will Nixon's running style. Like you said, Punisher, really quick with the ball, really good vision, but he just hasn't really fallen into that rotation with Dylan Johnson because Dylan Johnson has been arguably the best player on the field on the offense and they rely heavily on him so you really can't take him off and split his carries up but I really feel like if he's not able to be a hundred percent that Nixon could have a really good game for the for the Huskies on the season only 184 yards and one touchdown but he does average 6.3 yards per carry which if he can come into the game and keep that average even add to that average there's no way the Huskies are going to lose the game and um I just really think I mean it's all gonna rely on whatever Dylan Johnson could provide to us because down the stretch, you know, time in and time out, a lot of these teams with their injured players, they don't say too much and they're going to go out and suit up just to kind of be a, a dummy, a, a, a ploy. Like a sorts. decoy of sorts. Yeah, yeah. so um, it, depending on how much he could play, because you and I both know he got carted off the field for a reason. So I'm praying he's 100%. It'd be great if he's 100%, but 
that remains to be seen. If he's not, I really think Will Nixon will have a big game for them. And uh, shout out to Husky Nation on Twitter or, or, or X these days, whatever they want to call it. A lot of love, a lot of talk over the week, a lot of interaction with especially our Corey Dillon interview that we dropped earlier this week. And shout out Husky Nation, John. Someone on Twitter tweeted out to us at Bow Down Podcast, by the way, that Dylan Johnson had a higher yards per carry than Blake Perron this season. So that just shows how aggressive he is, how hard he runs, and how good our offensive line is. We have the best offensive line in the country. And whether it's Dylan Johnson or Will Nixon, I, I'm thinking and I'm hoping that Michigan may undervalue the running game for these Washington Huskies. Let's talk keys to the victory. We talked some under-the-radar players, John. Keys to the victory. First one, it's a given. Talk to me about Michael Penix Jr. Honestly, every time we do a keys to victory, you might as well, every big game that we've played in, just go back and listen to the same keys to victory that we keep putting out there. It's really not brain science. Now, Michael Penix Jr. has been doing the damn thing this whole entire year. Keep him upright. Let him sit back there. Make his reads. Let him go through the progressions and just protect him at all costs. Hands down, he threw for over 400 yards in the Sugar Bowl against Texas's defense. Now, Michigan is going to present more of a problem than that Texas defense. I think their defensive lines maybe add up similar in stature. Um, you saw them talking all that smack to Parker Brailsford, who was on Tavondre Sweat majority of the game. What did Tavondre Sweat do against Parker Brailsford? Absolutely nothing. So, He's one of the best in the country. Troy Fontana is one of the best in the country. Roger Rosengartner is one of the best in the country. So I really think this offensive line, this Huskies offense, you need to establish that run game. Once again, this is going to be going back to every game, uh, keys to victory that we've ever had in those big games. Control the time of possession, control the line of scrimmage, whether it's Will Nixon, whether it's Dylan Johnson, whether it's Tybo Rogers. Pound the ball, open up these holes, control the clock, bleed the clock, play keep away, and just go out there and dominate and throw the ball all over the field. Now, if he if Dylan Johnson can't be a hundred percent, and it might be you have to throw the ball 40 or 50 times a game to get this victory. I'm all fine with it. We have weapons all over the field. We have our top three receivers. We don't even need to talk about them anymore. We have Giles Jackson, Jeremy Bernard, Devin Culp, the backup tight end, who's very athletic and made some great plays for us this year. So, I mean, if you take two, three away, we're just going to reload with two or three more that can go out there and do the thing and get the job done for this offense. So, offense just needs to keep doing what they've been doing all season long. Right. And I think before we transition to the next key to victory, I'm going to do, you know, one was Michael Penix and then one, one A was Michael Penix. One B is going to be this Huskies offense is playing indoors in climate controlled on turf with a dome. There's no weather concerns. The Pacific Northwest, John, I think we played like, four or five games in the rain this year. And everybody was, you know, 
giving crap to Penix. Oh, his completion percentage was down. His numbers were down. You know, he lost the Heisman during those games. Well, yeah, the numbers were down. We were battling 40-mile-per-hour wind gusts with torrential downpour. And guess what? The only number that counted was the W at the end of the game. 14-0, and Penix putting the numbers up. Like we shared last week, he's one of two quarterbacks in college football history to have back-to-back 4,500-yard years, including him and Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's that dude. He's that dude. And with it being in a climate-controlled dome setting in NRG Stadium down in Houston, there will be all these outside factors that have been issues during the season won't come into play for this Huskies offense. On the flip side, John, what's the second key to victory? Uh, we're going to keep going back to every time we played a great team with a really good quarterback. Now, you saw these Huskies in the Sugar Bowl. They gave up a lot of rushing yards. They gave up 180 rushing yards to the Texas Longhorns. Three rushing TDs. They, as a whole team, averaged 6.4 yards per carry against the Huskies defense, which, if it comes down to it, that is not a recipe for a victory. Um, freshman running back C.J. Baxter from Texas averaged a whopping 7.1 yards per carry. It's crazy that they didn't run the ball even more, but you cannot allow that to happen. Um, the defense is going to have their hands full. You're going to go against Blake Karam, one of the best running backs in the past two seasons at the college football level. He's ran for 1,101 yards and... 25 rushing touchdowns. What? What? Um, so they have to establish that line of scrimmage and put everybody in the box. We have enough players in the secondary to really man up. They don't really have a, a speed burner. They don't really have a go-to guy. They don't have a roam. They don't have a poke. They don't have a McMillan on their wide receiver room. So line up man-to-man. Everybody focus on stopping the run. Make J.J. McCarthy go out there and beat you, just like we did to Bo Nix, just like we did to D.J. Uangale, just like we did to Cam Ward, just like we did to uh, uh, Noah Fafita. So just go out there, make the quarterback beat you with his arm, and that's it. We're going to win the game. Yeah. And leading into that, John, you gave a slight prediction we're going to win the game. Let's hear your prediction on a score and what's going to happen in Washington Huskies versus Michigan Wolverines national championship game this Monday. Talk to me. This team is special. You, you kind of have the feeling week in and week out that like, you know what, this is so much more than just a football game. Like this team is very, very special where no matter what's going on in the game, no matter what the score is, you're always going to have it in the back of your head where like, I think regardless of what's going on right now, we're going to find a way to pull it off. And they've been doing that week in, week out, and they're going to continue to do that in this football game, the national championship game, the last two undefeated teams at the FBS level, head to head, almighty Michigan. We've played them in the Rose Bowl in 1991. Mario Bailey could tell you all about how that went. But I am going to take the Washington Huskies 38 to 24. You know why? 
boy. I love being the underdog. Yeah, I love being the underdog too. And who am I to disagree with Corey Dillon, who says we're going to win by 14? I love it. I think the offense is going to do things on this national stage that Michigan, the Michigan fan base, and people across the country weren't expecting. Because, yes, defense wins championships. There's no doubt about it. We saw that in the Sugar Bowl. But if you can't stop a nosebleed, you're going to bleed out, my boy. 42-28, a 14-point victory for these Washington Huskies, 15-0. And, John, before we jump into the alumni spotlight, anything else you want to share with the listeners and viewers of the Bow Down Podcast? Um, shout out to the Washington NIL store. Uh, they got us this bunch of shirts. You can see my Dylan Johnson. Hopefully he's able to play. But really, really good thing they got going on. Really good store. Really good opportunity for these athletes to make money. Um, the NIL store provides every college student athlete with the opportunity to sell officially licensed merchandise. Uh, college fans can shop with knowing that they're receiving high quality merchandise while putting industry leading payments directly into the pocket of their favorite college athlete. So, I mean, it's, they're doing a great job, not only with the football players, they do every, um, at every athlete in every sport for Washington. So check them out. Uh, Instagram at the Washington NIL store. Um, same as their website, Washington NIL store. And they got tons of great stuff. So go out there and support the players. Hell yeah. Do anything you can to support the players. A lot of great sites, a lot of great clothing on the NIL store. So shout out them for lacing us up, getting ready to see the dogs on top, hopefully, this Monday. John, last thing before we kick out of here, who is our alumni spotlight of the week? I am going to go with quarterback Marcus Tuiasosopo. He was a Husky from 1997 to 2000. His career college marks are 5,501 yards, 31 passing touchdowns, rushing for 1,374 yards and 20 touchdowns. He was the 2000 Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year, Rose Bowl MVP that same year. He was drafted in 2011, second round, 59th overall by the Oakland Raiders. Uh, he played for the Raiders from 2001 to 2006, the Jets in, tw in 2007, back with the Raiders in 2008. His career NFL stats are not too great. Uh, two TDs, seven interceptions, 554 passing yards, and 79 rushing yards. He was more of a backup quarterback role, although he was drafted pretty high in the second round. Um, and he is currently the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Rice. Shout out Marcus Tuiasosopo. Tremendous. That Rose Bowl game was crazy that he won. So awesome, awesome. John, the time has come for us to bid adieu here on the Bow Down Podcast. Any final words before we cut loose? Uh, go dogs. Win, loss, or draw. 
super happy. Well, they're not going to draw. Super happy of everything that they've accomplished this year. It's been such an honor and a privilege to have this show with you and to go down this journey of the season with these Washington Huskies. Not bad for our first year um, covering the team and yeah. but ho-hum during the national championship game. So we, appro- we appreciate everybody that's tuned in, everybody that's been following us, all the player interact interactions the former husky interactions the uh, new recruit uh, transfer portal interactions that we've been having so stay with us we'll put out content for the entire year the entire off season but first and foremost let's go bring that national championship to seattle go dogs yes sir we need to win this national championship game because the underdogs as michael Penix said that i love being the underdog and we love being the underdogs, too. We're, we're super grateful to have this platform to talk Huskies with you guys, to interact with you guys on social media like Instagram and Twitter. But it's only uphill from here. Like you said, win, loss, or draw. We're super proud of this team. We're super proud of the Huskies and this program, this organization. And we're excited for what the future holds. But all our focus, all our positive thoughts, all our positive energy is on Monday night, when the number one team, Michigan Wolverines, take on the number two team, the Washington Huskies, at the NRG Stadium in the national championship game. We'll be glued to the television. You'll be glued to the television. Stay tuned for some potential in-game analysis with us, whether it's live on Twitter, live on Instagram. You're going to get all the news and noteworthy thoughts from us during the game, and obviously, Come back here on the Bow Down Podcast for the post-mortem on the season, win or loss. John, it's been an honor and a privilege doing this show with you, my friend. And last but certainly not least, Bow Down. Yes, sir.